Awesome. While you guys are all standing, why don't we pray together? Jesus, we, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. These days, these times, makes us reevaluate life, priorities. We get to see what's really important to us. My prayer is that we realize how important you are, not just on a Sunday, not just during our life group, but every day. So Jesus, as we hear from your word, God, as we hear from your word, I pray that you speak to each and every one of us, whether we're far from you or close to you, whether we have been consistently hearing from you or haven't heard from you in a long time. We thank you that you're here in this building. We pray this, these things in your name. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. Good morning, good morning. It's great to be here. Last time I spoke, it was online, and it's just great to see faces and to be with you guys in person. Um, growing up, I struggled with, with a condition called uh, Tourette's. Ooh, I didn't think I'd get emotional. <laughs> I've been over this about 100 times before. Anyways, Tourette's syndrome is a neurological disorder characterized by repetitive, stereotyped, and involuntary movements. Anyways, so um, we call them tics, so I twitch, I do things. Um, yeah, it's not easy for me to talk about, as you can see. Ooh, I thought I'd be okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it takes me time. Like, I, I don't talk about this with most people, um, let alone did I ever really want to stand up here and share this. But when I talk about it, usually my tics or my threats, they do get worse. So bear with me, nothing's going to happen. Um, but growing up, I was terrified to tell people. Still. It's not a topic I love to talk about. I didn't want to be classified as crazy. I didn't want to be classified as a freak. And so what I did was I would think of different ways to hide what I was doing. I would lie. I would pretend what I did was for other reasons. And in my insecurities, I sinned. In my insecurities, I wasn't thankful for who God made me. Now, as I got older and started really looking at my life, the more I was able to talk about this, the more I was able to bring people into my life, the more I realized people didn't care. I didn't receive the judgment that I thought I would. I didn't get labeled like I thought I would. I was always responded to with love and with care. The more I shared, the more I brought people into my shame the more I brought people into my guilt, the more I became thankful for who God made me. Now I share this with you, because this is my story. What's your story? What are those things that you don't like talking about? Maybe you're like me and it was something you're born with that you didn't have a choice. Maybe the things you feel shame and guilt over are things that you chose to do, an action towards somebody, 
something in your control that didn't go your way. When we hold on to those deep parts of our lives, when we don't let other people in, when we don't let God in, it wears us down. It breaks relationships. And it keeps us stuck. Now today we're in the finale of our big picture series. We've been looking, what, 10, 11, 12 weeks maybe, at the meta-narrative, the, the whole story of Scripture. And instead of looking at these individual stories like we often do, we took a step back, right? We looked at a 30,000 foot view and we got to see what God was doing. We got to see God's plan, how he wove his story, his plan throughout different avenues of people, stories, places. And if you remember, there were five C's we talked about. The first C was creation. God created the heavens and the earth. God created mankind and animals and God loved his creation. We talked about that, but then we saw his creation. Humans, they sinned. We brought sin into this world, and because of that, sin brings us to the next C, covenants, or consequences. That's the next C. There's consequences to our sin. We can't now, we, we lose the right to our life. So we, we talked about the consequences of the sin. Then we saw how God was starting to work a plan out through covenants in the Old Testament. We saw God working out a plan to what? Redeem us, to save us from our sin. Then we talked about the church, and where we're gonna, we're gonna end this morning is at the focal point of God's plan. We're now a new creation through Jesus. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross was God's plan to deal with our brokenness, was God's plan to restore us, was God's plan to give us a new life, to to allow us to be born again, to be reconciled with God. And so Jesus dying on the cross, which we hear so often, yes, he did that so we can be free from the bondage of sin, so we don't have to live in shame, so we don't have to live with guilt, but so often we find ourselves feeling undeserving. We find ourselves struggling with sin. We find ourselves full of shame, full of guilt. When we know what Jesus did for us, but we we struggle coming to grips with what that means, and that's what we're gonna look at this morning. We're gonna look at what Jesus did on that cross and what that means for us today and tomorrow and yesterday. So in order for us to understand our new life in Christ, we we have to understand our old life. And I'm not talking about, you know, when we get baptized, there's a baptismal tank here. I'm going to plug it. We got a youth getting baptized this afternoon. Yeah, Jonah, which you'll see on Easter Sunday. Um, what I'm talking about is we don't need to understand the life before Christ, right? This is who I was before I knew Christ. This is who I am now. What we need to understand is our life thousands of years ago, the Israelites. We need to understand that life, why God gave them covenants, what those covenants were pointing to why they had to follow the sacrificial system. Why do we now have new life in Christ? Let's look at Hebrews 10. The law is only a shadow of good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Skip down a couple verses, verse 11. Day after day, Every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, 
which can never take away sins. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has been made perfect forever, those who are being made holy. So this sacrificial system that we read about here, this Old Testament way of living, was not able to fully cover mankind for their sin. And that wasn't pleasing to God. But this is actually true in our own lives. We so often, we do things to try to earn favor in God's eyes. We try to earn forgiveness, right? We, we live by some sense of moral code. We give to the needy, we serve, we love people. We do all these things and we turn around and go, we're doing this to earn God's love. And, and we, we get in this way of thinking of, okay, if I just give a little bit more, if I pray a little bit more, I spend a little bit more time in God's word, I'm gonna receive these blessings. I'm going to, I don't earn favor with God, but we read in these verses that there's nothing we can do to earn favor with God. That's not why Jesus came. He came to, get to, to give that to us freely. It's, it's a free gift that we accept, and then we turn around and we give, we serve, we love, we live by our moral code. Do you see the difference? When we're trying to do all these things to earn, to get God to notice us, that's, it's backwards. When we become a new creation in Christ, when we understand what he has done on that cross, it transforms us. And then we have a new perspective. And we're gonna dive into that. The reason we often are left unsure, the reason we often struggle, I think, is right in these verses. We put so much pressure on our works. But our works and our sacrifices, they aren't enough. So, God was setting up these covenants with these people. And it's important to realize that these covenants weren't wrong, they weren't bad. They were simply to point us to something else. The old covenant was not useless or incorrect. There was a reason why God gave it to his people. And the reason was to point them towards Christ. He, he, he set everything up to point towards Christ as a fulfillment of our sins. That's God's plan, right? When sin entered the world, he, he promised to fulfill humanity, to restore them, to make them right before God, and how, he was, how is he gonna do that? Through Jesus' sacrifice. God's the one that saves. And I think it's important to note that we can't save ourselves. So I think we need to stop trying and fix our eyes on the one who can save us. So essentially, Jesus was a better sacrifice. Now, let's think about it this way. Um, I got a call, well, I was playing volleyball with a bunch of families, and a couple of my friends, they went down, they were going to a Blue Jays game down in Boston, and one of the guys, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but called somebody at this little volleyball thing we were doing and said, my tire blew up on my car. We're stuck on the side of the road, we're right before the border. So what ended up happening is me and my wife, Amy, we jumped in the car, we drove down to swap cars with my friends so they can continue to go to Boston and watch the Jays beat the Red Sox, hopefully. And I took the car with the, I don't know, the dinky little spare tire. Am I allowed to say dinky? I don't know. Um, and I took that car, and that, that little tire got us off the side of the road, 
and allowed us to get home, get to safety, get to where we needed to go. Now we were only allowed to drive 80 kilometers an hour. It took us longer than expected. But it saved us from, it saved us to get home. It saved our friends. They were allowed to go. It allowed us to go home. Now when we got back, we didn't just leave that tire on. We exchanged it for a full-size tire that we could drive faster on because nobody only drives 80 kilometers an hour. That can last in the wear and tear of the roads that when you're turning, you're not afraid that it's just going to blow up. See, the law was, was, was there for a purpose. It was there for help. But there was a better option coming. And that better option was Jesus. Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Matthew 5, 17. I'm a plan guy. I, I, if you saw my desk right now, I have about 100 pieces of paper with, with lists and numbers and scratch marks through it. Whatever I do, I usually make a list and I plan. And it drives, I'm sure it drives my friends nuts, but I'm not the kind of guy that goes, hey, let's all jump in our car, let's drive around, and we'll, we'll find a plan. No, no, it's, it's okay, we want to hang out Saturday at 2. Okay, so I'm going to think what we're going to do. We're going to make a plan. I'm going to text you, make sure everybody's in. We're going to book a spot because I want to have a good time. I don't just want to leave it up to chance. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you think I'm crazy. That's fine. Um, but what I love to see in this series and what I love to see when we read God's word is that he had a plan. It wasn't like, shoot, Adam and Eve ate the fruit. What are we going to do? No, God knew exactly what he was going to do. He's outside of our understanding. He's outside of our time. And he's been weaving in this, this story to redeem us, to save us, to bring us into relationship with him, to save us. He has a plan. And I don't know about you guys, but there is so much comfort in that, that God's not winging it, that he's in control. And so when all these crazy things are happening, when things happen to me or things happen to us, I, I just find peace in knowing God's a, a, a greater than all of this. God's above all of this. He's going to be working out a plan today just like he was back then. So if God knows what he's doing, why do we question it? Why do we sometimes rely on our own understanding, on our own strength, on what we know? Here's the question. When we question God, you know what? I should probably say it differently. When we don't fully understand God, we make our own plans. When we question God, when we don't understand God's plans, we make our own plans. I think that's a little microphone, in, not microphone, what are those called? Uh, you know those glass things that make your eyes huge? Microscope? Nope. Something. Magnifying. magnifying glass. I think that's a little magnifying glass into why we sometimes struggle. Right, growing up with Tourette's, I was so ashamed of who God created me to be or who he created me as that I hid that. That I, that I found shame in that and I, I didn't bring God into it. I sinned in my insecurities. I didn't let other people in because I thought I could handle this better on my own. But I, I couldn't. Maybe somebody close to you has passed away and, and you can't come to terms of why God would allow that to happen. So you turn your back on God and you try to rely on your own strength. Maybe you didn't get into the program at school you wanted to. Maybe you got fired from work. Maybe your kids have, have turned away from your family or turned away from the church or maybe you have a, a sickness that you never knew you had but you were born with. Whatever the case may be, 
when we battle trusting in God's plan when times get hard. And when we battle trusting in God's plan, we lose sight in who we are in Christ. Because remember, Christ is a focal point of God's big picture plan. We are a new creation because of Christ. But if we don't understand God's plan, we're not gonna understand Christ. God cares so much about his people, right? We, we have a God who, yes, sent his son, and I think that's, that's mind-blowing that he would send his son to get killed by his creation. But he, he cares so much about his people who constantly sin daily, constantly worship idols, turn their back on him, think they know better than him, and yet he still loves us. There's a little bit of a fun fact that, that when I read this, it was, I think I heard this somewhere, it, it, it really kind of, made sense to me. Really, I kind of went, oh, like, that's really cool. So let's read, you know what, we're gonna read Genesis 2 in a second, but in the book of Genesis, Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth, right? God created everything. Genesis 2 is the story of Adam and Eve, the first two people, and how they brought sin in the world and all that stuff, but right before Adam and Eve, this is what it says, 2 verse 4. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they, when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, everything's in all caps here, but when you read it on the Bible app, or if you read it in, in a hardcover Bible, you're gonna see Lord is capitalized. Not just the first L, but L-O-R-D is all capitalized. You might be wondering, well, why is that? Well, there's actually three different ways you can spell Lord. The first way is all lower caps. Lower, cap, lower L, lower O, lower R, lower D. That, as you guys would know, is landlord, right? When Amy and I got married, we moved into my aunt and uncle's house, we lived in their basement apartment, it was fantastic, and they were my landlords. Then sometimes in scripture we see capital L, lowercase O, lowercase R, lowercase D. And that's a Hebrew word called Adonai, which simply means master. So when you see that word, it's the, that person is the master of something else. So yeah, that, that describes God a lot because God is our master, but it could also be used to describe many other things. But this word capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D is an unpronounceable Hebrew ancient word and it's spelt Y-H-W-H. Y-H-W-H. When we pronounce that in English, we say Yahweh. And Yahweh is God's personal name. Why is God's personal name right at the beginning of scripture here? Because he's personal. Right from the beginning of time, we could see that God the Father wants a relationship with his creation. He wants a relationship with you and with I. And if you know the Bible, if you know scripture, you know how important names are. Now, I think there's, there's so much peace in that, that right from the beginning of the time, he wants to know us. Now, I, I jumped on Google, and I Googled some things, and, and Cristiano Ronaldo is a famous soccer player. He is the most, at the time I Googled, which was just a couple days ago, could have changed, but he's the most followed person on Instagram. He has 260 million followers. Ariana Grande is the most followed person on Twitter, 80 million. Mr. Beast has 50 million views on YouTube, with, or 50 million subscribers on YouTube with billions and billions of views. If you've ever seen his channel, it's pretty crazy what he does. Somebody called Charlie D'Amelio has 100 million followers on TikTok. Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, they're flip-flopping back and forth, but they have around each, think about this, $200 billion. Absurd. 
We follow these celebrities. Sometimes we worship these celebrities. Now, you can't judge me for what I'm about to say, but I went to a Taylor Swift concert. Yes. Um, and, and I got free tickets is a long story. Yes, I enjoyed myself, but I was the tallest, hairiest guy there. Anyways, um, I'm standing there and we had great tickets and, and there's a girl I'm, right to my left and she would have been about 15 years old and the, the bass was going thump, thump, thump and, and the, the backstage was opening and, and here comes Taylor Swift and I kid you not, this girl is like this. She's sobbing, she's shaking, she can't control herself. She was worshiping Taylor Swift. And it was a little bit concerning. I chuckled and then I went, eee. We so badly want to be in these celebrities' lives, but they're unapproachable. What's cool in the generation we live in, we could simply at a click of a button follow pretty much any celebrity we want. But that doesn't mean we actually are in relationship with them. Like, think about it this way. I go on Instagram or another whatever you use and I follow Elon Musk. I'd be absolutely shocked if the next day I get a phone call. Hey, Greg, this is Elon. Um, love to take you out for coffee, get to know you. I see that you followed my account. Why don't I drop off a free Tesla to you? Like, this is not going to happen, right? Well, how much more surprised am I that the one who created all these people, the one who created all of us, the one who is so much greater than any celebrity goes, follow me, I'll, I'll enter in a relationship with you. I actually want to know you. I want to get to know you. I want to spend time with you. I want to know those deep places of your heart. I want to know what you love, what you struggle with. Why don't we follow God like we sometimes follow these celebrities? The mountains may shift and the hills may be shaken, but my faithful love won't shift from you and my covenant of peace won't be shaken, says the Lord, the one who pities you. Isaiah 54. No matter how the world's changing, no matter how many times we struggle with sin, shame, guilt, we, we struggle with our own plans versus with God's plans, no matter how many times we, we screw up, the message of the Bible, the message of God's plan, the message of Jesus Christ stands firm and stands true. If you're struggling with doubt, sin, anger, depression,